Um, I was thinking uh, this past week that it's been actually a number of years since I've had the privilege to be able to to share with you here at Mission Valley, and um, it's just wonderful to be able to see um, some just uh, old friends and, and people that I had the, the blessing for five years to, as I was pastor of the church here, to do ministry with. Um, if you're not aware, I was the pastor for the five years uh, previous to Pastor Dave, and um, yeah, I just really uh, learned a lot by being here, and I pray that, um, that uh, we look back fondly on, on those years. I'm presently serving um, um, in an organization called the Jesus Use Me Movement. And the Jesus Use Me Movement actually is an organization that my son and uh, daughter-in-law, David, and his wife, Leah, started a number of years ago. Actually, when they left the church here, and David likes to say they became musicianaries. And they traveled literally around the country. David, uh, this past year, was the worship leader for Promise Keepers throughout the United States, and he's now at the, the French Church in Yorba Linda. Um, but we, um, and he started the organization called the Jesus Use Me Movement. I'm a, a board member and a counselor with the Jesus Use Me Movement. Uh, somebody else you know, Pastor Stanley Shakubo, is also on the board. And uh, our, our goal as a ministry is to, um, to mobilize the church. And one of the, the reasons I bring this up to you today is because... Um, one of the things I learned in my 24 years as being a pastor was that, that there are just so many gifts within the kingdom of, of God and so many gifts within the church family. Um, but what we find oftentimes is that people aren't serving um, maybe with, with confidence and with boldness. And so what I love about the, the fact that of what you're doing today and this season at, here at Mission Valley in talking about your individual shapes is that um, it gives you the opportunity to recognize how you are uniquely gifted. And, and just to remind all of you, or maybe you're visiting here for the first time, your shape is your spiritual gift, your heart, your abilities, your personality, and your experiences. And Rick Warren, who came up with the acronym for shape, says that, that you actually minister most effectively out of your experiences of struggle. But I know that's uh, sometimes hard for us. Today, I'm going to be talking to you about the P portion of shape, your and my personality. And uh, I find this a fascinating discussion because, um, and uh, a study because we are all so unique in our individual personalities. Um, there's a scripture, uh, some scripture verses that I, that I chose today. And why don't we put them up there? They're from Matthew chapter 9. It says, Then Jesus made a circuit of all the towns and villages. He taught in their meeting places, reported kingdom news, and healed their diseased bodies, healed their bruises and hurt lives. When he looked out over the crowds, his heart broke. So confused and aimless they were, like sheep with no shepherd. What a huge harvest, he said to his disciples. How few workers! On your knees and pray for harvest hands. Uh, the reason I, I chose this passage was, was because I, I want to encourage you, as, as Jesus called us all out, that he says, you know, there are so many people in, in need of, of a Savior. There are so many people that, that are here on this earth, every single one of them and every single one of us, that need support and need a sense of community and need um, each one of us to minister to to the other, but that the workers are very few. 
And so what I challenge you with today is the opportunity to be involved in the kingdom of God. For the opportunity that God has given you and the people sitting next to you, your family members who love Jesus Christ, to be a part of the community that ministers in the name of Jesus. Now I want you just for for a minute to think about Disneyland. How many of you have been to Disneyland? So some of you have never been to Disneyland. Okay. How many of you have actually been to Disneyland? Raise your hand. Yeah, pretty, almost everybody has been to Disneyland. If I could see a little better, I could uh, point you out if you haven't been there. But um, one of my failings in life is eyesight. Think about Disneyland. Now, I don't know where your mind goes, whether it's the, the sights or the smells the, the picture of the, of the Magic Castle, whether it's Main Street, whether it's Tomorrowland, whether it's Tom Sawyer's Island, I, I think they still call it Tom Sawyer's Island, uh, whether it's specific rides, whatever it may be, Disneyland is known as the happiest place on earth. Right? Amen, my wife says. Thank you for that amen, Kathy Galton. It's known as the happiest place on earth. And so when we go to Disneyland, and, and my family goes occasionally, and, and, and my grandkids go, they just come back and they just talk about what a wonderful experience it, it, it is and it, it, it was for that day. Can you imagine, though, what it would be like to go to Disneyland, if it was possible, with Walt Disney, the creator of Disneyland? And Walt would have the, we would have the opportunity as we walk down Main Street with Walt to be able to see things, and he would point out things to us that we would probably never notice. He would take us into Tomorrowland and talk about the vision that he has and, or had and still has for even a future Disneyland, which we're realizing today. He would talk about the, the relationship that the employees need, need to have with each other. He would talk about the the marketing campaign and the movie industry and all the great things that that Disney wants to bring into our lives to to make our lives just a little bit happier because we have that experience with his creation, Disneyland. Okay, now stop for just a moment. And what I want you to do is not picture Disneyland, but picture the, the world that we live in today. And use the picture that I just gave you of Disneyland and transfer it to say, what if you could walk through this world with Jesus Christ? Just like you would walk through Disneyland with Walt Disney. How different would you see this world if Jesus Christ was beside you? If you would see hurting people. If you would see people in need of teaching. If you would see people that that just need a hug or a a warm embrace, a listening ear, someone to minister to, how different would your world be and how different would their world be if we could see the world as Jesus sees it? You know the amazing thing? Is that we have that opportunity. As we give our hearts to God, The Spirit of God, His Holy Spirit, that He comes and ministers to each and every one of us and gives us the opportunity to see the world like Jesus does. 
It says in Ephesians chapter 20, in the message translation, that God can do anything you know, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. That He could do anything. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us. You see, God doesn't doesn't have a, a, a plan for our lives and then force us into that plan. What He does is, is He creates you. He creates you and I with our special shape. And then He encourages us and brings people into our lives and pastors into our lives and friends into our lives and family members. And He does, takes all of creation and ministers to us so that we can see the world because of His Holy Spirit that we can see the world and learn what it truly is to be a part of that kingdom and to feel the blessing of, of His Holy Spirit in our lives. But He doesn't coerce us. He doesn't trick us. He doesn't force us. You see, it's an act of your will and of my will as to whether we are going to understand our shape, the blessing and the uniqueness that God has created within each and every one of us, and then do something with that. And we know throughout many Scripture verses that that there are all types of, of acts of service in the kingdom of God. But the number one thing that we must remember is that you have to lose your life in order to find it. You have to give up everything. The Bible says that we must even give up mother and father relationships. Now, it doesn't mean mean leave your mother and father in, in, in that sense. What it means is put God first, even beyond the deep relationship that you would have with a parent, even beyond the deep relationship that you would have with a child, even beyond the relationship that you would have with one another, is we need to put God first. We need to lose our lives in order to find them. And the passage that I read for you in Matthew chapter 9 gives us a picture, I think, of the P in personality. You see, if you can recall back to the passage in verse 35, what it says is, is it says that, that Jesus taught in all the different towns. So he had a sense of speaking and of teaching. It says that he had great compassion on people, so he healed them. You see, he felt their pain. And then it also says that he told people about what was happening. He shared from his heart. And so Jesus had the perfect personality. We we are imperfect. But we have attributes, every single one of us, of Jesus. Since we just celebrated our Olympic moments, and I don't know about you, but I was up way too late every night watching the Olympics. It reminded me of the great Olympic champion of years ago whose life was, was chronicled in the movie Chariots of Fire, Eric Liddell, the wonderful runner from, from Great Britain. And if you don't know the story, Eric was, this was 1924, so a long time ago, but Eric was, was expected to run in 100 meters, and he was expected to be the gold medalist in the 1924 Olympics in Paris. But because the race was going to be run on a Sunday, he said he would not run. And so he stood up for his belief and his relationship with Jesus Christ. And then they told him that there would be an opening, not in the 100 meters, which was his best event, 
but in the 400 meters. And everyone knew because, because here Eric was the, the fastest man in that day in the world. He was the Usain Bolt of his day. And he gave up his opportunity to win the gold medal in the 100. But since the 400 meters would be run on a different day, he picked that event to run in, even though it wasn't his best. And God blessed him, and he went on to win the gold medal in the 400. Shortly after that, Eric went off, Eric Liddell went off to become a missionary in China and spent the rest of his life um, in China where he died during World War II. But Eric had many wonderful quotes, and and one of the things he said, and, and I just want to share this with you today, Eric said that we are all missionaries. Every single one of us are all missionaries if you accepted Jesus Christ into your heart. And wherever we go, we either bring people nearer to Christ or we repel people from Christ. It's a little sobering to think about, isn't it? That we're all missionaries. Now, sometimes we have this picture of the missionary has to be the person that goes overseas and in the old days would get on a boat and we'd go down to the docks. Today we go down to the airports and we send them off and we pray for them and we wish them well. And we support them in many different ways. But Eric reminded us that we are all called to be missionaries. And wherever we go, wherever you go, You either bring people nearer to Christ or you repel people from Christ based on how you live your life as a Christian. And I'm here today to tell you that you will be much closer to winning people to Christ, finding satisfaction within your own heart for how you live your life as a Christian, if you live and do ministry within your shape using your spiritual gifts, your heart, your abilities, your personality, and your personal experience. So let's take a few minutes and talk about the subject of personality. You know, you're unique. But not only are you unique, but I'm unique. We're all unique. God created each and every one of us differently. I have a brother named named Glenn. And Glenn and I grew up in the exact same family. He's three years younger than than I am. He was my best friend growing up. We did everything together. My parents, I believe, treated us equally. As a family, we grew up, I also have a sister, by the way, but I'm going to talk just a minute about my brother and I. And and we were were close, and we, we did everything together, as I said. But the fascinating thing was the uniqueness in how God created us so different. And so I'm going to share this with you because I want you to think about people in your lives and people in the church life that are so different than you are. We just have different personalities. We're just different people. My brother Glenn, and I'm, I'm a talker, so I'm going to brag a little bit about my brother Glenn. My brother Glenn is, is one of the most brilliant people you'll ever meet in your life. He went off and became a professor at Harvard at 28 years old. He didn't go to Harvard. He was a professor of, at Harvard at 28 years old. He has served um, for many years as the chief scientific um, officer, researcher at the uh, University of Pennsylvania now, another Ivy League school. 
when my brother Glenn was young, and, and I was playing baseball, and he was playing along with me, but when I was um, going to the mall, the equivalent of the mall, and sitting on benches and watching people, which is what I used to do, my parents would say, what did you do today? And I'd go, I went with my buddy, and we sat over here on Baldwin Avenue. I grew up in Arcadia. And on Baldwin Avenue, and um, we would just watch people. <laughs> Sounds a little creepy, doesn't it? <laughs> but you see, that's how God uniquely made me. I was an observer of people when I was 12 years old. Now, whether I observed correctly or not is, is up to debate. But that was where my heart was. At the same time, I was observing people. You know what my brother was doing? He was at home finding insects and stabbing them with pins and putting them in styrofoam. He was catching rodents in the backyard and putting them in, in aquariums in our bedroom. He was finding snakes on on family trips. And one time in Oregon, the snake got loose in the car. And for those of you who remember my mom and dad, because they were here at church when I was was here as pastor, um, one time the snake got loose in the car. We were driving in Oregon, and my dad is swerving down the the, uh, two-lane road. got pulled over by the police. um, And the policeman said, why are you swerving? He goes, there's a snake loose in my car. And my dad, not paying a whole lot of attention, forgot to put the the car in gear, and the car rolled back and smashed into the police car. All, all because my brother was collecting snakes. Well, while I was observing people, he was collecting snakes. He was going to be a scientist. That was his DNA. He was different than I was. He's a brilliant guy. I got bees. Honestly. I know you can, yeah, you, my wife got A's, yes. I got B's in school. I got A's in seminary, but I got B's in school growing up. I think one of the reasons I got A's in seminary was I talked to all the professors. I became friendly with them because my personality was one of engaging with people. One of my closest friends in seminary is, is now the president at um, Westmont College, Gail Beebe. And Gail and I, um, from a distance, have, have, have watched each other, but, but we remained close. And we only spent a few years together, but we connected really in a really strong fashion because we communicated with each other. So do you understand that, that you are made differently than someone else? And if you can understand your uniqueness, your entire shape, but especially your personality... It will help you to understand how you receive criticism, how you deal with confrontation, how you make friends, whether or not you're willing to be close to people or you're a little removed from people. has a lot to do with your personality. has a lot to do with how you see the world and how you see yourself within the world. And so I'm here today to encourage you to embrace how God has uniquely made you. And to understand that other people in your life are not like you. I can remember years ago when I was pastor at another church, at the New Life Church, and and one of the members was, I was having a discussion with one of the members, and he said to me in our discussion at the the end of the discussion, he goes, you keep changing your mind. 
And I said to him, I go, no, I haven't made up my mind. I'm talking about it. You see, but he was very different and just a wonderful guy, a man of medicine as well. And, and he was a great thinker. And before he said something, he thought out every word. And he measured everything he would say, whereas I was in the process of, of, of kind of discovery. You see, we were just different. One was not better than the other. We were just different. Just like my brother and I, who grew up in the same family, were different. If you can understand your, your, your uniqueness, it will relieve stress in your life. It will in, increase success because you will find your ministry and maybe even your occupation that God has called you into. It will build your self-esteem because you'll feel comfortable about who you are and the place that God has called you to in this life. And I'm sure, I I shouldn't say I'm sure, I I believe that Pastor Phil has probably given you this verse from Ephesians uh, 2.10 where it says, For we are God's either workmanship or handicraft, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I love that verse. I love it because it's just a reminder that each and every one of us are God's handicraft. That he has uniquely made each and every one of us to do good works. To minister to each other and to minister to a broken world. And the passage in Matthew chapter 9 says that people need Jesus Christ and they need you to introduce them to Jesus Christ. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And no job is higher in the kingdom of God than another. The pastor is looked at no greater in the kingdom of God, I don't believe, than the person who has some other function in the church. I was at a church recently, and and they honored a, a man who had served in the church for 40 years. And his job in the church, the pastor said, was to do the gardening. And every day the pastor said that this man George would come in and empty his trash. Because he did the the janitorial work at the church. No job in the kingdom of God is greater than another. The Myers-Briggs test tells us that there are 16 different types of personalities. Now don't get alarmed. I'm not going to tell you 16 different types of or personalities in the next 6 minutes and 28 seconds. <laughs> or the next hour, however long I take. 6 to 10 minutes. There are three basic personalities, personality types. There are talkers. <laughs> the people in my family, if you've ever been to our house for dinner or know us, we're talkers. If a subject comes up, everybody's talking at the same time. One of the struggles with talkers is they're not great listeners. My wife really loves that one. I, yeah. And some of you are saying, yeah, I wish Pastor Gary would have listened more than talked when he was here. Okay, so I'm still learning too. But, but people are talkers. But you know what the great thing about talkers is they're fabulous communicators. They know how to communicate. But the downside is they struggle sometimes with listening. 
The second aspect of, and these are generalities, are, are feelers. And feelers are people that, that have great compassion. Oftentimes feelers are involved in the church and they're the people in the, that, that believe in missions or see ministries as missions. And that's a wonderful thing. And we need the feelers. We need the people who, who care for others. Sometimes they're not the talkers. Because the personality types are different. The struggle that, that feelers have is that can, they can be driven too strongly by their emotions. And they can become judgmental of others and say, well, I'm going on a missions trip. Why aren't you going on a missions trip? I don't want to go on a missions trip. But I want to talk to people about Jesus Christ. In Arcadia and in San Gabriel and in Southern California. But maybe you're a person of compassion. And maybe you just, you're dying to go on that missions trip. Please go. Because that's where your shape will be realized. Please join the care ministry or whatever you may call it here at church. Because that's where you will find fulfillment. But be aware of the fact that if you're a feeler, one of the struggles oftentimes is that you'll be a little judgmental of people who don't feel the, the way you do. Because they don't have that, that great sense of compassion. A gift that God has given you. And then the third aspect of people's personalities are thinkers. Thinkers are great problem solvers. They're great planners. They're the people you need in the church to help move the church forward. But the struggle they have sometimes is they can be people of pride. And the reason for that is they would, in their own heart, they think, well, I've thought this through. I've thought you know, about this point, about this point, about this point. I've considered this. And therefore, since I've considered all these things, this must be true. And if somebody else doesn't agree with me, then they're just wrong. Because I've thought it through. But you see, people aren't right or wrong. We're just different. If someone would say, I've had a really bad day, the thinking person would say to them, well, get over it. The feeling person would say, I know exactly how you feel. And, and the talker would say, I can tell you how to fix that. <laughs> you see, we're all different. And so what I want to encourage you with today is see people and, and celebrate them because of their differences. Don't expect them to be like you because you're unique. Remember what I said earlier. Understand your uniqueness. And what will happen is, is you'll be able to see the world in a whole different way. You'll be able to understand how Jesus sees the world because he created each and every one of us so different and so unique. And so we won't be, we won't be people that compare ourselves to others because we're, we'll know that, well, Kathy's not like Gary because... We're different. When I would go and visit people 
And in early years of my ministry, and I would take Kathy with me, we would leave sometimes a, a struggling person's home or a bedside, and she would say to me, how do you do that? That is so hard for me. Because she is a person of great compassion. That's why she loves mission. That's why we have heavenly treasures. I was there, and I was feeling compassion for the person too, but, but I saw myself as bringing the presence of God into that room and just ministering to their heart. And I didn't feel the same thing that she did. And it wasn't better or worse. It was just different. The spiritual life is anything but passive. You hear that? The spiritual life is anything, but it's not passive. And so I would ask you, what is your plan to find your place? What is your plan to develop your shape here at Mission Valley? In your home? Two days a week, I pick up my two of my three grandchildren... Um, Kara and Kai, who many of you know here at church. And people say, what are you doing with your life these days? And I tell them, well, I'm serving with my son, David, as a board member and counselor with the Jesus Use Me ministry, and we're developing that ministry. And I pick up my grandkids and take them to swimming. But in reality, in my own heart, I'm doing much and taking them to swimming. What I'm doing is I am mentoring them to be kingdom people in my own way. Even when we, after we go to islands or when we go to islands, I require them, and I've trained them now, we, we take turns and I take them to islands. And I intentionally, about a little over a year ago, told them, and Kai you know, was five years old, I said, Kai, you've got to go up to the hostess and tell her who's here. Tell her, you know, about our, we're looking for a table. And he was a little shy at first, so I held his hand, and I worked them through the process, and then it was Kara's turn the next time to go to the hostess. And, and, but I'm mentoring them in terms of talking to people. Now, we tell people, little kids, don't talk to strangers, but I'm standing there next to them. So I'm probably the only strange person in the room. Um, I'm sorry for that. Um, But I tell them, and so Kai walks up and he goes, two children and a grandpa. (laughs) It was really cute. And then the next time I go, okay, whose turn is it? And Kara goes, it's his turn. I go, no, it's your turn. And then Kara goes up and, and she tells him how many people there are. And then when we go to order the food, you know, they get the children's menu. And I require them to order their own food. And I tell them they need to look at the waitress. They need to talk. I'm hopefully not mean about it. But they need to look at the... Well, maybe a little bit mean. They, they, I tell them they need to look at the waitress to order their own food, to order whether they're getting fries or Caesar salad. And surprisingly enough, they get Caesar salad um, with their chicken tenders. So I'm not sure how that works. But I'm mentoring them. I'm intentional about it. It's very subtle in the one hand. But you wouldn't believe how many waitresses and waiters say to me, I've observed you over the last year or so. And it's not about me. I'm just encouraging you. And it's amazing the way these kids now over the last year just come up and they go, hey, there's two kids and one adult. 
and I'll have the chicken tenders and the Caesar salad and Papa, can I have a shake? And I go, not today. (laughs) How intentional are you in your life? How are you using your shape to minister in the name of Jesus Christ? Kind of wrapping up today and and with another Eric Liddell quote and probably maybe his, his most famous quote. Remember, he was the Olympian. And Eric said, God made me fast, and when I run, I feel his pleasure. Oh, I just get goosebumps. If you haven't seen, and I mean this, if you haven't seen Chariots of Fire, won the Academy Award a number of years ago, maybe 20 years ago, one of the greatest movies ever made. And it's the story of Eric Liddell and how he stood up for his faith in Jesus Christ and still won the gold medal. God made him fast, and when he ran, he felt God's pleasure. And so I would ask you today, are you running and feeling God's pleasure in your life? Are you serving in the area of ministry that you know is making a difference, not only in the life of others, but in your own life and in your own heart as well? Are you using your personality in the unique way that God has gifted you to minister to the kingdom that he, that he died for? And so your challenge today is this. Take this time, take time this week, excuse me, to observe the uniqueness of others around you. So take time this week to look at other people, whether you're a student whether you're at work, whether you're a housewife or a house husband, or whether you're retired, whether it's here in church or in the workplace or in the mall or in a line, take time to observe others around you and recognize their uniqueness. And number two, take time to complete the personality section of the shape assessment that you can get outside on the welcome table. So observe the world around you. Grab hold of the comment I would say that I made to see the world as Jesus does. Picture the world as your Disneyland. And have the Holy Spirit. Invite the Holy Spirit to live in you so that the uniqueness of your personality can be used to build the kingdom of God. Let me pray for us this day. Lord, I thank you for the blessing of your Holy Spirit. I thank you, Lord, that your Spirit can guide and direct us so that we are able to understand how you have uniquely made each and every one of us. And Lord, I pray a blessing upon every single person that hears my voice this day. And Lord, I pray you would bless my heart as well. Help us, Lord, to appreciate how we are different than one another. To celebrate the differences of how we have been uniquely made. And to encourage one another to live out those differences. Recognizing, Lord, that none of us are 100% talkers or feelers or thinkers. But, Lord, you have given us specific strengths 
and help us to recognize those strengths and to live that out in this precious life and time that you've given us. And so thank you, Lord, for this day. And just pray your blessing upon each and every person here. In Christ's name, amen.